CHN Radio. Uh, my name is Elijah Newsom, and I'm here to talk a little Newcastle footy after a tough weekend, um, losing 2-1 to Everton. We're going to get into that. We're going to review that on today's episode of CHN Radio, the number one Newcastle show on the best Newcastle podcast network for Coming Home Newcastle um, here for you. But yes, today we have a little solo episode, a twofer, a review of the Everton match, and a preview of Newcastle's Leicester match happening on New Year's Day. Um, So yeah, this is the last episode of CHN Radio of the decade, which is wild, especially because CHN Radio has only existed for like, I guess, a year and a year and a couple months now. Um, I feel... I guess, yeah, a year and a couple months, um, so it, it's kind of wild um, that we're already at our last episode of the decade, um, I wish I was doing it with Greg, but Greg is out of commission tonight, he's hanging out with the in-laws, so uh, gotta do what you gotta do when you're married, um, that's why you don't get married, people, uh, that's your advice from your boy Elijah, if you want to follow me on the Twitters, please do at Elijah underscore Newsome, um, I tweet some funny things. I love interacting with Newcastle fans um, and all that kind of stuff. Um, If you want to follow the podcast account and the account for the whole podcast network, um, follow at CHN underscore radio. It's pretty uh, straightforward. If you found this podcast, you likely have already seen the Twitter and all that good stuff. So shout out to you. If this is your first time, welcome. Um, and then if you want to follow our main site's account, um, which is a lot of banter, um, that's where our articles are tweeted out from, all that good stuff, be sure to follow us at Coming Home in UFC. So, um, like I said, uh, the agenda for today is going to be a little review of the Everton match, which was a 2-1 loss. Um, sadly, a loss in which Newcastle looked decent, um, to, in in all honesty, looked decent at times. There were there were moments of brilliance, and another match in which Newcastle essentially beat themselves up, um, not to the degree as the uh, not to the degree of the Manchester United match, um, but Newcastle beat themselves up um, in this one as well. And then we're going to preview the Leicester match. Um, that'll be about it uh, for that. There's no real club news today, um, which. I don't know if you should be surprised. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, um, considering we are literally the January window starts the day after this episode drops. So I don't know if that's really, uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, it, that's just the state of Newcastle right now. Usually we'd have a transfer rumor to talk about, but um, not much on that that front either. My boy Joe uh, DeGroza basically was like, he doesn't think that he's going to be able to buy the club just due to the fact that it doesn't seem like Mike Ashley wants to sell the club. So, um, without further ado, I guess um, we'll take... I don't even think we should take a break. What do you guys think? Um, you know what? Let's not take a break. Um, 
yeah so i guess no you know we're gonna take a break yeah i've I've made up my mind you guys that's live great radio for you guys live decision um made by me so we're actually going to take a break um we're gonna get a quick ad in make us some money um hopefully be shivas regal because or shivas regal because that is my favorite blended scotch um according to sb nation um because they pay us so yeah and you know what I think that I should get a free bottle of Chivas Regal. How do we make that happen? Because I think it's probably good. So I need a free bottle. Anyway, we're going to take a break. Um, and then we'll come back at you at the end, after this break with our Everton review. Um, it should be super exciting. Um, yeah. So uh, let's take a break. All right, um, like I said, probably a Chivas, Chivas Regal uh, commercial. Um, I don't know, uh, but there's been times where I've said, oh, this is probably a Chivas Regal commercial, and it has been, and those are moments of brilliance. That's a, a, a moment that needs, it's like black history, essentially. Um, but yes, so this Everton match, we lost uh, 2-1. Um, not Newcastle's best display um but the good news for newcastle is despite losing uh two in a row newcastle still sit in 11th um you know ahead of arsenal burnley brighton southampton bournemouth west ham in the relegation zone currently is is aston villa um watford and norwich who after norwich had a really hot start and have not looked good west ham just fired their coach and brought back david moyes which that's a interesting decision to say the least. Um, I think that's who they brought back. Don't fact check me on that. Um, but yeah, the only thing that really happened was Everton jumped us in the table. They're in tenth now. Newcastle sitting eleventh as they head into eventually facing second place Leicester City, um, who are in second place. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, so let's let's hop into wow that was not English. Let's hop into. Uh, a little bit of your three words, um, which you guys always come through in the clutch. If you're new to this podcast and you never heard this before, or if you're listening for the first time or you haven't listened in a while or you're just someone who doesn't pay attention when we do this, um, essentially after every match, we tweet out, comment below with three words to describe the match and we'll read them on the podcast. And this is for the Chronicle. Stop stealing our content. The Chronicle have been doing this at halftime now. And it's uh, it's actually kind of annoying. Greg likes it, but I think it's really annoying because they have taken two of our uh, like the things that our site is known for on Newcastle Twitter, um, which is the gifs or gifs, whichever you prefer to call it. Um, reacting to the match with the gif or gif, we do that on the main account. React to the half of the gif, react to the match with the gif, and um, and then the three words they they've taken that as well. So screw you guys. Um, our real fans know. That we started the three words and we got the facts to prove it. We can go back to the. Cons- this is like one of the first things we ever did on this podcast. Uh, is Greg's idea, so shout out to Greg. Um. Anyway, let's get into three words before I continue to ramble about uh, nothing. So, all right, Jeff Can at Jeff Can Four. Uh, he says poor defensive performance. Don at Smick Ultra need reinforcements now. Shout out to Bill Hamid for for uh, getting called up to the U.S. Men's National Team. If you're not American, you wouldn't get that joke. So uh, Don knows. Don knows. 
Um, Jeff Can again at Jeff Can Four again. Jeff, he's gotten better, but Jeff, three words is three words. Three words in three different tweets is well. Actually, he's got a lot of okay. Well, all right, Jeff. There's gonna be a lot of Jeff Can three words, but all right. This is one. He goes next win win. So it's next win win like when is the next win uh will watson nice to see a familiar face again uh at batman's milkman seven points from villa uh he kind of cheated there and put seven points as like seven pts but we'll we'll allow it jeff can once again at jeff can four joe linton better wide we'll get into that that is a bona fide fact um to an army denver said well at mile high magpies great group of guys follow them uh, they said luck running out. Jeff can again said Ariel Andy Carroll. Jeff can one more time. Jetro ball watching. Trevor Mooney, uh, the official questionnaire of the podcast at Trevor Mooney twelve. Brucey still shite. Um, and Mister Still Your Worldwide, uh, which of course is one of our favorite Twitter accounts. Yo underscore ho underscore no underscore mo. We lose. Da 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 again. Brian Ful- Fulford, uh, nice to see you again. I am at I am BWF. Uh, Brian's an old friend of the site. Such awful defending. BT at Bertley Bad Boy. Hoof and Hope. Gordon Sersham at Sersham Gordon. What's VAR for? Which is VAR. Uh, Justin at underscore the. At, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I thought his name was at the best smart, but now it's at underscore best underscore smart. Lee Mason sucks. Agreed. Colby Wilson. Nice to see you again, Colby. I think he's in Alabama. I want to say he's in the one in Alabama. I think so. Uh, at Austin P. I want to say. Oh, he's in Nashville. I don't know. Sorry, Colby. At Colby Wilson. At C Wilson two two five. He sent a GIF that says that's bullshit. NUFC away at NUFC nineteen underscore nineteen eighty seven. There's no plan. Um. <laughs> Hey, Mike Ashley, at Toon underscore Army 1982. Both refs haven't helped. We could have been playing against 10-men at Old Trafford, and today we should have had at least one pen, and their first goal came from a corner that never was. And then our coming home Newcastle account responded, this is much more than three words, and he responded, oh, I do apologize. And then finally, last but not least, hold the UK media to account. Um, <laughs> great Twitter name, gets the point across. At Chris Clark 21, he says, not good enough. So as you can see, the theme kind of boils down to three things. Um, the refs and VAR. Um, kind of the luck running out, the people uh, questioning your Bruce tactics. Um, and then uh, there was a little bit about Joel Linton in there. Um, but there's, there is a, a level of needing reinforcements. And that's something that we've talked about on this pod. And I'm starting to get back into writing, guys. So check this out. There'll be some... Uh, writing stuff about January, about who I think we should sign, and that kind of stuff, um, but yes, so that's kind of the three words, um, in a nutshell, um, and kind of before we hop into the review, review part of this Everton match, um, I would definitely encourage you guys, if you haven't already, to check out the main site, comingomenewcastle.com, uh, Greg has started a brilliant review series, um, that's called, the day after, uh, which is kind of like a hangover report, 
Um, and it's the day after each match. He releases his kind of day after thoughts, breaks down the match, um, usually comes out in the morning. It's it's brilliant. Um, it's really good work. And uh, shout out to Greg. So um, you know Greg is a great and excellent podcast host. Um, and I'll tell I'll be the first to tell you he's an, he's an even better writer. I think he's one of the best writers we have at Coming Home Newcastle. So please, 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 please um, check out his new series he started. Um, it's got a little stats, little quotes, kind of similar to what we do on this show, but um, written. So um, uh, well, before without further ado, let's get into. Um, the lineups. So, uh, Newcastle to not really. I, I wouldn't say it was a huge surprise. Um, there was a, a little bit of shock in in certain areas, but Newcastle initially set up in a three five two with Martin Dubravka in goal, Fabian Cher, Federico Fernandez, and Florian Lejeune um, playing as their back three. DeAndre Yedlin and Jacho Willems were the wing backs. Isaac Hayden, John Joe Shelby, and Miguel Almiron were the midfield. Three with Almiron and Hayden playing just ahead of John Joe Shelby. Uh, Joel Linton and Andy Carroll were the two up top with Joel Linton playing just behind Andy Carroll. Um, so that's how we started. Um, there was a formation change, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, Everton came out in the 4-3-3 with Pickford in goal. Leighton Baines as a left back. Mason Holgate and Michael Keane as the center backs. Um, Sidibe as a right back. Theo Walcott, Sigurdsson, and Tom Davies as their midfield three. Moise Keane as a left winger with Charleston as a right winger. Um, and they swapped wings a couple times during the match. Um, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin, that front three kind of rotated in and out because all of those guys have ability to play as an out-and-out striker as well as um, a winger. So it was kind of fluid their final their, their, in, their, in their top three attack. Um, just some odd, oddities. Uh, some other appearances. Fabian Delph came on. Seamus Coleman came on. Yeremina came on. Sean Longstaff came on for Newcastle. Dwight Gale came on in. Christian Atsu came on. And that was a weird sub that we'll get into a little bit later. Um, but yeah, let's let's hop into the match. Um, I'm pretty sure that's the next thing on this. Uh, yeah, match events. So um, this was an interesting match. Um, off the bat, Newcastle did not look good in the 3-5-2 uh, formation. Um Shelby was sitting deep in the midfield. Hayden in front of him. Almer on the left. Joel Linton and Carroll on top. Um, Everton was dominating possession, which was something that we didn't really see in the Man U match, but it was something that um, made its return, unfortunately, I guess. Uh, and Everton were having all the ball. It looked like at any moment they would score, and in the 13th minute, they did. Um, but it really wasn't a result of their open play at all. It was a result of... Two officiating errors, um, a couple officiating errors. Um, first and foremost, the the ball, the ball was it was ruled a corner. Um, the the run of play was ruled, it was ruled a corner. Um, it shouldn't have been a corner. It should have been a goal kick. Um, but this happens. This happened earlier this season as well. But this is this happens in Newcastle. We don't have luck with refs. So you have that, and then the corner led um, to a foul that McGowan committed, which. You can argue whether or not that was a foul, but the corner should never happen. The foul likely would have never happened. And then Sigurdsson had a free kick, curled into the box. Um, it was blocked, which was good, and then just kind of led right back out to Gilfie, who centers it, and Calvert-Lewin's in the right place at the right time and pokes it in for Dubrovka goal, um, just feeding into the hype. Oh, sorry, 
pokes it past Dubrovka for the goal. It doesn't poke it in for Dubrovka goal. That would not be, that would be an own goal, not a Calvert-Lewin goal. And I like Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I got a lot of slack for this because the two matches he's, the two goals he scored in this match were not impressive. But like every freaking account was tweeting like he's the second coming of Christ. And I get it. He's on a hot streak. He's good. He's a young lad. He's He's a young English talent, and people are going to gas him up. But, I mean, he was okay today. Um, I think he was not – I think he was good, but I think there were more impressive players and more dangerous players um, to actual to, – to Newcastle than than him. So, anyway, um, after that, Newcastle switched to a 3-4-3 with Almiron on the left and Joel Linton on the right. Um, there were some chances there. Uh, Newcastle got a lot of corners. They actually looked like they were due to score at some point. I actually, they had created so many chances. There was a, a shot that Almiron that was saved. Um, there was a couple other shots. Um, Lejeune was pushing upfield and not, not doing well. Um, Florian Lejeune did not have a great match. Uh, we'll get into that later with best and worst. You can kind of tell where I'm trending with this, but, um, he had a lot of nervous clearances um, when he brought the ball up forward. Um, he was being dispossessed, um, and it just seemed a little bit unorganized um, with the 3-4-3 towards the end of the half. Cher was making some crazy runs. Um, Fernandez was literally like the only center back at, at moments that was back there. Um, Yedlin was playing as a center back at times. It was, it was a nightmare, um, but there were a few chances that came out of it. Multiple corners, um, multiple shots on target, um, and it was disappointing that Newcastle didn't score. Um, Shoulda, coulda, woulda, but Greg tweeted out that them not scoring would bite them in the butt, and it did because they lost, so that's kind of how that works. Um, So anyway, um, we get into half down 1-0, but I think spirits are a little bit high given how... Newcastle ended that half, um, but then second half happens, and Everton comes out firing on, on all cylinders. The 3-4-3 was still a bit of a work in progress. Um, basically, kind of there's a miscommunication really on the side with Lejeune and Willems as to who's covering for who, and because Willems, by nature, is going to get forward. And um, Lejeune felt that he needed to get forward. So there was just a miscommunication there. That was still a little rocky. Um, the midfield seemed pretty solid. I would say the attackers were brilliant. Um, you know, not much you can really say. Um, but Newcastle just looked a bit disorganized. And Everton came out firing on all cylinders. I honestly thought they were going to nick another goal. Um, but... In the 56th minute, uh, we Newcastle won a free kick. Willems uh, loops it in towards the back post. Um, Andy Carroll jumps up, nods it down, and heads the ball directly to Cher, who volleys it like to the 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 left hand corner of the net. Like literally, it was unsavable. Pickford had no chance. Uh, you can just look and just stare. Um, but yeah, so that happened. Cher scores. Newcastle looked like. Um, they were going to um, probably go out and potentially win. St. James was rocking. St. James was rocking once Newcastle started that run a play at the end of the first and then kind of died down. But after that goal, like St. James was rocking. Um, so 
then Newcastle decide to change things up a little bit. Um, Willems is caught way too far forward. Um, just way too far forward. Um, and I forgot who gave it away. Jeez, I'm sorry. My memory is fading. But I want to say it was Andy Carroll who gave it away. Um, but Newcastle were pressing. Um, and the press works when there's organization, right? And discipline. And there wasn't. And what ended up happening was essentially we pressed, won the ball back, and just was just a giveaway. And Lejeune had no cover because Jetro was so far up the pitch pressing. I want to say it was Carroll. I'm pretty sure it was Carroll who gave the ball away. Um, but he was so far up the pitch. Um, like, it was it was ridiculous. And, like, there's no support for Lejeune. Um, Richarlison is... Uh, <laughs> Richarlison literally just got the ball... Cross it in. Calvert Lewin's just like easy tap in for, and he made it look like Dubravka was there, and Calvert Lewin made it look difficult. But Calvert Lewin gets in the goal, um, and like we said, there was a there was a bit of a formation change. Um, well, not a formation change, but a tactical change. Newcastle decide we're going to press. It doesn't go well, and immediately um, you are. You're caught with a situation where you're caught out and you've got no cover and it leads to attack uh, a tap in with a very lethal Everton um, team. And after that, Newcastle kind of ran out of ideas. Uh, Lejeune and Joel Linton came off for Atsu and Gale in the 74th minute. Um, another tactical change. Uh, we went to a 4-4-2. Um, it was very odd. There was a moment where we went to a 4-4-2. Atsu was playing as a right winger. Almer was playing as a left... Well, sorry, a, a right mid. Almer was a left mid. Um, Yedlin was playing as a right back. Williams was a left back. Um, and that's kind of... And then Gale was up top with Andy Carroll. Um, there were some free kicks that were won after a result of that. Uh, Williams came off for Sean Longstaff, which was a weird sub... Uh, because Willems is a left back, and there were no left backs on the bench. Um, well, there was well, Javi Minkia was on the bench. So if you take off Willems, you need to either put on an, like you either put on a forward and you just go balls to the wall. It was 85th minute, um, or you bring on another fullback. See, Bruce brought on Sean Longstaff, and. Christian Atsu was moved to left back. Sean Longstaff was moved into the midfield. And Hayden was moved out to right mid. And Fabian Scher at some point was just like kind of... Greg has him down as a right wing in his article. But if I remember correctly, Fabian Scher was just like in the middle of the pitch just trying to make something happen. Similar to like the Burnley goal last year where he was just like up there. And it was just a lack of organization, and it felt as if Newcastle panicked because they they felt as if they deserved um, at least a point from this. Because, like, as good as as bad as Newcastle looked at times, I don't think Everton looked that much better. Um, I have a friend, I have a friend who's a really big Everton fan, and he thought they were going to blow it because like they were lapses in defense. Like they were making players who 
Like, example, Joel Linton, who fans seem to think struggle all season, he had one of his best matches because of the back line of Everton is so shaky. So it was just a mess. Um, and this organization was, has kind of been the tune of the Steve. Like, if you could criticize Steve Bruce for two things, one would be his lack of ability to make subs and accurate subs at the right times. And we got on Rafa for this, but I don't think we knew how good we had it until Rafa was gone. Um, Cause Steve Bruce makes the weirdest and most bizarre subs. And then coming off of that organization formation changes happen often with Steve Bruce. And it's good that he's able to tactically adjust, but it doesn't seem like his players are prepared for these adjustments. And it seems like there's a lack of discipline in the organization when these adjustments occur. Um, and we saw that multiple times during this match. Um, and there's a level of trust that Steve Bruce puts in his players, but at some at some point in time, Steve Bruce as a manager has to say, Fabian Cher, you should not be playing alongside Andy Carroll and Dwight Gale. You need to be back in defense. Jetro Willems, we are pressing, but that does not mean you need to be playing as a left winger. Get back and help on defense. And I, I'm not seeing that from Steve Bruce. Um, it may be happening, but again, I'm not seeing it. So yeah, that was the match in review. There were some moments there. Um, Jolinton had a, a shot that was saved. Almiron had a, a chance where he um, he was kind of knocked over as he was shooting. He was kind of off balance and just skimmed it wide. I know there's people going to snag him for a one-on-one chance, but I watched the extended highlights, and he's bumped as soon as he shoots. So, I mean, I, I get it. It's one-on-one with the keeper. The defender's trailing. I'm not making excuses. I'm just telling you what I saw. Um, if you want to watch the extended highlights, go, go ahead. Um, I've watched that highlight of Almiron multiple times, and he's just kind of slightly pushed off balance. Um, it wasn't malicious. It wasn't a foul or anything. Just slightly pushed off balance. There were two shouts for a penalty here. So the refing was a big story from this, um, as you know from the um, from the three words. Uh, earlier in the match... Uh, it's early in the second half. Almiron clearly was fouled in the box, but chose to stay up. Um, and just he was it was like a clear foul. Chose to stay up and was not called a pen. Um, I think he like kind of stumbled and eventually fell. But like it, he didn't sell it. If he had sold it, it probably would have been a pen. Um, he would have he would have gotten a lot of slack from Newcastle fans. But um, people don't. I, I noticed this about fans. They don't get mad at you for flopping. If it results in you winning the foul, they only get mad about you flopping if it doesn't result in you winning the foul. So, um, but Almiron has kind of eliminated that mentality from his as Arsenal completely. Um, it seems like as over the course of the season, and then there was the more obvious one in my opinion. I think in the opinion of many, um, the Almiron one I think was a foul and should have been a PK, but the Andy Carroll one is a, is a classic. How did you miss that call? Um, Andy Carroll shoved. In the back by Sidibe, who, by the way, Sidibe should have had, should have been sent off. I mean, he just should have been sent off. It's it's kind of insane that he he didn't even get a yellow throughout this match. He had like three or four fouls. Two of them were pretty hard, and I, I don't. It it was just annoying because he just he should have been sent off. I don't. I don't really know how else to say. Uh, <laughs> I say it, um, but he pushes. Oh, it was Yari Mina. Sorry, 
Oh, uh, Zeri Mina, not Sidibe. Sidibe, I think, had the, the challenge on Almiron. Um, but, yes. Yes, that's definitely it. It was definitely Yuri Mina. Um, but, yeah. So, he... Okay, I'm trying to paint this picture in my head. No, it was Sidibe. Okay, I'm, I'm just wrong. All right. Rewind. VAR... This is a big question that everyone's having this weekend, and this was another case of that. Sidibe pushes Andy Carroll in the box with two hands. The Yari Mina one was a different scenario that I had in my notes, and it just was a, a bump in the box. Not as bad as this one. The Sidibe one, um, he pushes with two hands Andy Carroll down in the box. Carroll goes down. Ref tells him to get up. Um there's Dermot Gallagher, uh, who's a former Premier League ref. The Chronicle has this story on their website. You can check it out if you want to. But, you know, they did steal our content. So we'll just act like we wrote this. Um, so we wrote that we actually spoke to Dermot Gallagher ourselves. And he and he said that um, that should have been a penalty. Um, you take a risk when you push with two hands. And the risk is that it's nine times out of ten going to be called a penalty. Um, but VR didn't check it. Um, I don't know why it wasn't checked. VAR in the Premier League needs a lot of work because it works in works in it worked somewhat in the World Cup. You could I think it was in the World Cup that they had it. Yeah, I think it was well, it was definitely World Cup. Um, it worked somewhat in the World Cup. It works in MLS. It works in Bundesliga, and it somehow doesn't work in the Premier League. Um, and so this is something that has to be fixed because Andy Carroll was fouled. And, like, the corner kick that they were awarded beforehand shouldn't have been a corner kick. Like, there's just, it's it's annoying seeing simple mistakes that you can notice within live time watching the broadcast as a fan that are not caught by the refs who are on the field. And, yes, there's a lot going on, but, like, there, there should just, there's a concept in um, that, in American Football League uh, called the American Alliance of Football had called Sky Judge. And Sky Judge was this, this additional referee that would watch and critique the match like live, like basically as it was, it was almost like you as a fan watching the match and be like, Oh, that's a flag or that's a foul. And so I think that's honestly what's needed at this point in Premier League because the refs, even with VAR still miss things. But part of that is because VAR is not being used correctly. If we had a video assistant referee that was watching the match at the same time, it could radio down to the ref when they notice a foul that should be called back, or if a ref gets a decision wrong, that's how VR should be used. It should not be used as an after-the-fact thing where the referee himself is going over to the monitor making a decision. VAR is supposed to be an additional referee to help the referees make the correct decision. All right, that's enough on that. Um, We'll get into a little bit of stats. Um, I'm not Greg, so I'm not going to have a, a ton for you. Obviously, Newcastle are in 11th with 25 points. Cher uh, has six Premier League goals um, right now. It's second of the season. Um, Newcastle uh, are still, according to 538, predicted to sit to finish the season in 15th. Um, on 43 points 
This was Newcastle's first loss at home since their opening match at home. Newcastle still have a very impressive um, home record, but still. Not great, Bob. Not great. Um, so we'll get into a little bit of quotes. Um, Steve Bruce, there's a couple ones. Um, Steve Bruce, never mind the penalty claims. When it, when that costs you, you do wonder if it'll be your day. The penalties, I can understand why they weren't given. The one that he missed when he gave a corner, I'm sorry, that's a bad error. Um then they talked about he talked about Almiron and Almiron um he got a yellow card for simulation a few weeks back and uh and it says they launched an attack for on him Almiron two weeks ago for for going over or diving he tried to stay on his feet and be genuine but he hasn't been rewarded um he thinks he Bruce felt strongly about the Almiron uh first challenge he says I thought the first one, Almiron, was a critical one. For me, it's a penalty. Um, if he goes down, it's a penalty. But if he stays on his feet, he makes it the referee's, referee's decision easy. That's the conundrum because he hasn't gone down. He hasn't been rewarded. So what do you do? In the future, he will go over. Otherwise, you don't get the penalty. So, um, yeah. <laughs> that's, our, that's our quotes uh, for that, for the match there. Um, I guess after that... Uh, I, I should have done stats and quotes in the table, but we'll get into the best worst player. So my worst player for this matchup, I'm going to go Florian Lejeune. I don't think there was a moment in this match Florian Lejeune looked like he knew what he was doing. Um, he was a little bit lost. I think if Greg were here, he would say Jetro. Um, but I just I think the I think it's more the quality we expect with Florian Lejeune is so high that when he has a game like this where he's a little bit off, it just sticks out just all that more and that's the that's literally what happened this match he he just was a little bit slow getting places seems like he lost his legs it's his first time playing a couple matches in a row his clearances weren't great he gave the ball away a little bit it just wasn't a beautiful performance from Lejeune that we're accustomed to even his long balls some of them weren't great so that's my worst player my best player however is going to be one that will cause a bit of controversy or controversy, as the the Brits say. Um, so, there's a player who reminds me of Miguel Almiron's first twenty matches at Newcastle, where no matter what Miguel did, if he didn't score. Or he had a couple mistakes. He was not worth it. He was a terrible player. Overpriced. Came from a shite league. On and on and on and on and on. And this player has experienced a similar kind of fate. Because they aren't scoring goals. Yet, statistically, this player has been one of our best players this season. That player, and who is my man of the match, is Joel Linton. Here is why. Joel Linton, when he was moved out wide, created a fair bit of chances for Newcastle this match. He looked dangerous. He had some key passes that led to some chances. 
he was being more involved. He he just looked more comfortable. He completed a lot of successful dribbles. He just looked good. Now there are some fans, aka well, I'm gonna name names because y'all know me. I keep it real. I keep it 100. I keep it a buck. Steve Wraith said Joel Linton looked like shit. Obviously wasn't watching the match because if you're gonna pick players that look like that look terrible this match, you could go a couple routes. You could go pretty much. You can go. I would even go Lejeune, Williams. Well, well, sorry, not Williams. Willems. Like, that looked bad. I think there were players that looked okay. Yedlin, okay. Cher, okay. His goal makes up for the rest of his match. Um, Isaac Hayden, okay. John Joe Shelby, not as effective as you want. But I think there were there were legitimately like three good players, and Andy Carroll was one of them. He worked his butt off. Joel Linton was the other, and Miguel Amaron was the third. When you switch to that three four three, the most organized group was the the front three, and Joel Linton played he played a good match. And I think that always goes it, it gets ignored when you focus on you know his rare his his mistakes and you know him. We say this on the t- time and time on the podcast. When you play the tactics we play, you're not going to get as many chances. So, of course, when Joel Linton misses his only two chances, you're going to be upset and say he doesn't score goals. Meanwhile, Aguero scores one goal and six chances, and he's a god. Obviously, Aguero is a much better player, but that's just the example I go to. Like, Man City make, excuse me, they create a lot of chances for Aguero to score, so you don't notice the ones that he fluffs. Um, Gabriel Jesus in the Man City match was the perfect example um, when they played us. Jesus had like six or seven opportunities. He had more chances than like our like three or four of our three or two of our forwards combined, and no one's talking about like how bad he looked. It, it because they create so many chances, you forget. Um, with us, we don't create chances, and so anytime Joel Linton makes a mistake or anytime Joel Linton fluffs a chance, like people were freaking out about Amaron. Sorry, Almiron, we should have more one-on-one targets. With We should have more one-on-one opportunities with the keeper with an Everton defense that looked shaky. That's the facts. And so people focus on the Almiron fluffing his lines, that kind of stuff, and him making the mistake one-on-one with the keeper, blah, blah, blah. Take it as you, leave, take it as you may. But we're getting back into Joel Linton. I thought he was good. Um, the MAG released their table of um, players. I think it's players outside of the top six. Um, oh, it's the players... players Overall, that with changes created, a lot of wingers, a lot of midfielders. Um, but Joel Linton has created 22 chances for Newcastle this season. Um, um, uh, there's a wonderful thread by Max uh, Rook. Like it's Max with the Rook emoji. Um, it's his Twitter is at shx. L-V-E-Y, um, Shelby, with an, an X instead of an E. Um, he says 29 chances, uh, which is nine more than any other player of the season. Whether it's 22 or 29, he leads the team in creating in chances created. Um, and part of that is he's looked much better since Alan St. Maxman has gone out because he's allowed to play what he played at Hoffenheim. And what a, another thing this thread does a really good job of 
of uh, of explaining is that at Hoffenheim he was a, he was in a three four two one where he was an attacking midfielder similar to how we set up with the the three four three with Amron and Jolinton kind of given space behind Carroll to operate and it's the same thing uh, he he excelled there and that's what made him so good at Hoffenheim running from deep and going in behind defense all that kind of stuff and that's what he's been able to do in the three four three formation. The main issue with Joel Linton this season has just been the fact that he's been utilized as a out-and-out striker, and that is just not his role. If, if Steve Bruce could figure out how to get all four of those guys on the same at, on the pitch at the same time, Almiron, St. Maxman, Joel Linton, Andy Carroll, I think Newcastle will be much better off. It's just, if you can figure out how to get them all on there, I think four two three one, with uh, those three behind uh, Andy Carroll would be would be nice to see. Um, you know, maybe the you could even go with the five four one. Uh, and actually, you I don't even know if you could. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just know that I think Joel Linton deserves a little bit more respect. Um, and I think the negative tactics, not negative tactics, I, I don't want to call them negative tactics because they're some of the Rafa's tactics, and I think they're strategic. I just don't think that he's the out-and-out number nine that Steve Bruce wants him to be, and that's just affecting, it affects how, uh, how, how he looks in-game, and he's just not being utilized to the best of his abilities. And when he is, it's when he's not being asked to play that out and out striker role. It's when he's he's allowed to create. It's when it's he's he's allowed to 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 dribble the ball at his feet. All that good stuff. Um, so anyway, uh, that's that match. Um, a two one loss. Uh, a loss in which Newcastle's mistakes haunted them. Um, the second goal came from just a mistake in the press. Um, and Newcastle. The big takeaway from this match is that Newcastle have to convert the chances when they have them. They had about five or six chances that they created. And a couple set pieces um, and a few corners at the in the last 15 to 20 minutes of the first half. And you have to score from at least one of those. You just have to. And Newcastle didn't. Um, so it was a bit long-winded review. Um, a little disorganized, but, you know, that's me. I just talk and talk and talk. Uh, so we'll make this preview for Leicester a little bit shorter. So we can go ahead and get you guys out of here um, and get ready for the new year. Um, all that good stuff. So we'll take a break right now and at the end of this break you will hear me say some things about Lester. and we are back um so yeah so uh newcastle will be taking on this weekend well not this weekend this wednesday uh lester uh the lester city foxes um this is an a a home match for, for Newcastle, um, so good good for us. Uh, Ten a.m. start time in the states on the East Coast. I don't really know what that is in uh, in in the UK. I guess is that five three p.m. maybe three p.m. kickoff. I think it is three p.m. kickoff in the UK. Um, Leicester are coming into this match. Two draws, a loss, and a win in their last five matches. Newcastle, uh, win, loss, win, loss, loss. Leicester have played much harder teams, which is why it's two draws, two losses, and a win. Um, yeah, uh, 
this should be an interesting match. So um, this is a new segment that we're, we're doing, uh, and we're just going to trash talk uh, Leicester for a little bit. Um, first and foremost, the Leicester City Foxes is one of the worst names I've ever heard of any team in the Premier League. I just hate it, and I think that they should stop. Jamie Vardy is only relevant because of his wife, Rebecca, who spills tea on Twitter for all to see. Um, she's also friends with Mike Ashley. And if you're a friend of Mike Ashley, I'm sorry. You deserve any bad publicity that comes with you. And I'm hoping for bad publicity being thrown Rebecca Vardy's way. Um, let's see. Uh, what else can I say? We can get into the Urban Dictionary. Here, okay. All right. So there's not a lot about Leicester City Football Club, which tells you enough that, one, their club isn't even relevant enough in the eyes of the Urban Dictionary people, for people to, who contribute to Urban Dictionary to even write about them. Um, but there's a lot on the city of Leicester, and I'm going to go ahead and say this. Leicester, you guys have some kind of racist people. It's kind of fucked up. Um, so we'll read one of the Leicester uh, things. Um, it's kind of messed up. Um, it says, Leicester is a pretty nice, safe place, according to everyone else. Which, to be fair, um, this is like the fourth definition on Urban Dictionary. And the top three are like, Leicester is a very safe place where you can raise a family, blah, blah, blah. And so, this this definition starts off with, Leicester is a pretty nice, safe place, according to everyone else. It isn't. We're nicknamed Spit City, Shav Simple, and, and Illegal Immigrant Capital. Capital, All true. That's like the actual racist thing that's in there. Um... Oh, never actually. Oh, it, actually, this goes on. It's kind of messed up. All right, we're nicknamed Spit City, Shav Central, and Illegal Immigrant Capital, which are all true. The ratio of outsiders to na- native Lesterians, I guess, is severely one-sided to the former, which I wouldn't, which wouldn't be a bad thing if they weren't rude, didn't barter in department stores, and actually learned how to drive instead of stealing their driver's license out of a cereal box. That's pretty messed up. The roughest place is probably Brownston, which is more specifically Dodge. Do not even get a bus through the place without having 999 dialed on your phone and your thumb above the call button as you will not get through without some form of verbal and physical abuse. Most of us have in, have developed an inability to speak property and now are calling where we live Lesta instead of use, and using phrases such as that's bad man in it. We have a huge teenage pregnancy weight. Weird flex, but okay. And I warn you not to go to any parks as there is always, always someone being licked out or getting pregnant in a bush on a bench of some description. Wow, sounds like a nice place to visit. JK, I'm in a relationship. Hashtag sing, taken. I almost said single. That would have been bad. Um, most people are illiterate, reaching ages up to 14 without picking up a book. That doesn't have picture in it or is it nuts? This results in the majority of people on council estates living off the benefits which are normally fraudulent anyway. Besides that, we have England, Gary Lineker, comprehensive schools, Leicester Tigers, and fingerprint testing for the police detectives, etc. Only the half decent the only half decent contribution to the country our little city has made. Um Yeah, so I, I'd like to say the people of Leicester are racist. I said it. That was a pretty messed up review. I didn't like it. Um, so anyway, let's hop into um, injuries and potential lineups. So um, <clears throat> this should be a little interesting uh, because it's going to be um, – what am I saying? Um, we've got a fair bit of injuries on the Newcastle side. Um, 
Lester will be having would let Jamie Vardy will be back from pregnancy. His wife gave birth, I think. Um, and so the only injury I have on record for Lester is Matthew James. Um, Newcastle, um, St. Gucci Max is still out with his hamstring injury. Karen Clark picked up an, a knock in training, calf injury. Um, apparently Fabian Cher left that last match with a bit of a hamstring injury. Unclear on my end whether or not he's going to be able to make an appearance in this match. Uh, Jamal Lascelles, of course, is still out with his knee injury. Um, Joel Linton picked up a calf injury at the end of the last match. Um, probably one of the reasons he was taken off. Uh, Matt Ritchie, ankle injury. The timetable just keeps getting pushed back and keeps getting pushed back. Who knows whether he will ever play again for Newcastle United. It, it's actually a, a very valid question. Um, so, anyway, let's get into our lineup. So, I'm going to go with a 5-4-1. Um, I think that um, Joel Linton potentially being out may force us to go that direction. Also, with Joel Linton playing... Um, with Miggy behind uh, behind Andy Carroll, like that—that's just a better. I think like that five-four-one-three-four-three formation is just our best bet of having success. Um, probably going to be leaning a little more defensive against Leicester. Um, anyway, Chetcher Williams is my left wing back. Um, didn't have a great match, but he is our best left wing back. I don't want Paul Dummett out there as a left wing back. Um, I think. Yedlin wasn't bad. Mankio probably, I think, will um, end up playing as the right wing back in this match just because I think they're kind of at the same level in terms of just ability at the moment. Um, I think our back three is going to be interesting. Uh, Lejeune will probably play. Uh, Fernandez will play. Cher might not play. If he doesn't play, it'll be Dummett, Dubrovka, and Goal. Uh, Shelby in the midfield, I think. With Almiron, oh sorry, Shelby in the midfield with Hayden. Um, there's a potential that if we go this route, you could see a long staff make an appearance. I think if you have Shelby and, and Hayden healthy, you just go with those two. They're your they're your two best midfielders at the moment. Um, I think uh, Andy Carroll might start again. Um, I just we don't have quality strikers. Uh, if Joel Linton's injured with Miguel Almiron and potentially Christian Atsu, we could see. Um, and this is something that is possible. Um, the five-three-two with Gale and Carroll starting together, which I don't want to see that, so I didn't mention that. Yes. Um. Let's see. Match events. So, um, what did Newcastle need to do in order to win? Organization is going to be the key here. Um, the last two losses have come pretty much directly from a lack of organization in the back, and you just can't have that. So, uh, organization is going to be the biggest thing for me. And Newcastle can be somewhat organized. I think they have a decent chance at actually, I don't know, like maybe not conceding three or four goals because I don't see Newcastle really doing well in this match. Um, I think the the thing to watch out for from Leicester, um, kind of the biggest players, players or, or, or people to look out for, um, there's so many. Um, over, the, over the past couple uh, 
the past couple of uh, matches, players that have really hurt us. Um, like, obviously, Jose Perez. Um, we'll see who they start out there. Dem- Dem- Demarai Gray is obviously a player who is someone to watch as well. Um, Chowdhury's been getting a little bit of run. Um, but that was kind of a rotated team they played against West Ham. I think for us, Christian Fuchs, Ricardo Pereira is, is one that always gives us trouble. Dennis Prate, Ndidi, they have a lot of just really good players. Um, and I think Jamie Vardy is obviously going to be a player to watch out for. Um, I think he'll go full 90. He is the hottest goal scorer in the Premier League at the moment. So I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't. I'm just, it's just, I don't think this is going to end well for Newcastle. Um, get some stats uh, going into this match. Um, so 538 has us honestly not doing well. Uh, they're predicting us with a 24% chance to win, which is not great. Um, a 52% chance to lose and a 25% chance to draw. Kind of let you know how they think this match is going to go. Um, here's some fun stats. Newcastle have lost their last three Premier League home matches against Leicester, um, which is not great. Leicester won the reverse fixture, 5-0, with their joint biggest margin of victory against the Magpies in, this, in the top flight. Uh, the last time they did that was a 6-1 win in January 1930. I believe we talked about that on that pod after we lost. Newcastle won their first league game of a calendar year in one in just one of the last seven years. So on New Year's Day, we suck. Um, the only time we won was we beat Stoke in the championship, I think. Um, one nothing. So another like Boxing Day. This is the time of the year Newcastle just lose. Um, Leicester haven't lost their first league match of a calendar year since 2008. So that's not great. Newcastle haven't lost three Premier League games in a row since October 2018 under Rafa. Um, Leicester have won 42 points from their opening 20 games this season, two more than they had in 20 games in, in 2015. Newcastle have faced 22 shots in each of their last two Premier League games. In their first 18 matches, they were facing 15 shots on average. Ten of our goals have been scored by 50%. Oh, sorry, have been scored by defenders. That's 50% of our goals. We've had 20 goals in the season. Ten have been scored by defenders, which is the highest ratio in the league. Um, so far in 2019, um, Liverpool are the only team with more different goal scores than Leicester in the Premier League this season, and that's kind of it for stats. Um, not looking great for Newcastle. Um, if you, let's let's go ahead and just get into predictions then. Um, so Leicester are really good, like really effing good. Um, the only teams that look better than them are like like I think. Liverpool look really like Liverpool are are the best team in the league. Man City and are the only other teams I feel like really go toe to toe at Leicester this season. Tottenham could get there under Mourinho, not sure yet. Wolves show flashes of brilliance, but like consistently over the course of the season, Man City and Liverpool have been the only two teams that I think look somewhat good and could hang with Leicester. Because Leicester under Brendan Rodgers have been unreal, which they sit in second, so good for them. That being said, um, five nothing. That was not a mistake. 
they deserve to beat Newcastle 5-0. And I think the interesting thing about Newcastle's season so, thus far is that part of, like, as much stock as we put in the stats, and we are a big stats podcast, expected goals and all that stuff. Yes, we may be bottom of the table and all that stuff, but there still is a level of, like, there are just certain teams that won't let you cap, like, that That you just, you can't make mistakes, and they will, for that you, you won't get lucky against. Liverpool's one, Man City's usually one of those, where, like, if you, if your expected goals are, like, 0.5, you're not scoring against these teams, because they are so good, they have the, they have the talent, their players are well-drilled, they have the coaching, they're just so good that they're not going to let you even get the chance, and they will punish you for every mistake, like, Leicester, they scored five goals on us for a reason. Like the luck had run out for Newcastle. Like that, they, like there's no getting lucky against Leicester this season. And I mean, Newcastle were able to get lucky against lesser opponents because, like, that is the nature of sports. Like they're like, if you're not the, like, there's just times where if you if you don't have the quality to be able to capitalize on mistakes, like you'll you'll you that can come back and bite you in the butt. It happened in Newcastle just now. Like this past match, they did not capitalize on the many chances they had to win. They actually had the edge and the, the edge and expected goals at the end of the first half, and just didn't convert. So, um, all that to say, Leicester are not a team where Newcastle can just kind of mosey on by. If Newcastle are not playing their A one tip top shape, like completely organized, they will get hammered three 0 and that will be my prediction. I think Newcastle, um, I don't think that this goes well for them. I think this is another loss, a uh, 3 nothing loss, uh, Vardy with a brace, um, and let's give let's give Pereira a goal. Sure. So, yeah, um, no questions tonight. Um, that kind of concludes the end of uh, uh, this episode of Station Radio. Um, of course, Please, 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 please stay tuned into the site. We've got some exciting things coming up for you guys. Um, new um, and interesting content. Greg's launching a new series pretty soon. Um, be sure to tune into False Nines Wednesday after the match. Um, that's our other radio show, our other, not radio show, our other show on this CHN radio uh, with Zach. Jeez, why am I forgetting the coast? Zach and Adam. Jeez, wow. Um, with Zach and Adam, uh, yeah, be sure to tune into them. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter at chn underscore radio. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Elijah underscore Newsom. If you enjoyed this pod, please give it five stars. Please rate and review it, of course. Um, so give it five stars. Leave a fun little review. We are trying to be the number one search uh, result when you type in Newcastle United podcast, and the only way we can do that is with your help. Um, we love you guys very much. Um, the next time you hear this pod, Greg and I will be back, baby, and it will be a new decade. So live it up. Um, enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah, one more day to do what you wanted to do in the 2010s and get it done, all that good stuff. Um, the next thing you'll hear, uh, actually, here's a fun fact. I don't really have the uh, the CHN radio, like the Coming Home Newcastle uh songs i just have blade and races the old version so you'll just hear blade and races at the end of this so uh yeah love you guys
162 on a summer's afternoon. That youngster was the band of his and she was heavy laden. The way we went along Coldwell Street, that's on the road to bleeding.